just a real estate episode number 215. Um, I have a passion for uh, essentially money and success. I'm just a business. All right, guys, thank you for joining me here on Just Our Real Estate. If you're a return listener, welcome back to the show. If you're new to the show, if you've never heard it before, welcome, welcome. I appreciate you tuning in and checking out the show. My name is Mike Simmons. I am your host, and I am really excited to get going with today's show. It's going to be a good show, I think. I really do. But before I do, I have a quick question for you. Have you tried to start your real estate investing career, but somehow hit a brick wall, weren't able to get it off the ground, just frustrated? Maybe you know, maybe you haven't tried to get it off the ground yet, but you're just intimidated. You have too many questions, don't know where to start, don't know where to get the answers. I've got a solution for you. The fail fast flipping program. Now, the Fail Fast Flipping program is a program designed for new and experienced real estate investors to get their questions answered and also provide you with an incredible wealth of material that goes over every aspect of real estate investing and answers literally any question you could have in real estate. And if that's not enough, it also includes uh, membership into the mastermind, into the house flipping mastermind where really, really smart real estate investors, both experienced and new, log on and just share their experiences, help each other out. And it's run by my buddy, Justin Williams over at House Flipping HQ. And Justin asked me to be a part of this a few months ago and I checked out what he was doing and said, you bet, I wanna get involved in this. This is really something great and I wanna be a part of it. I want to help grow it. I want to I really want to be a major part of this program and he was excited to have me and I was excited to be there. So, I really suggest you check it out. You can find out more about it if you go to my website juststartrealestate.com, go to the right-hand side and there is a banner for Fail Fast Flipping. Click on the link, it'll take you to an informational page that will break down exactly what's going on in the program and what you get with your membership. So, go there and check it out. There is a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you really have nothing to lose. I mean, at least go and check it out and see what it's about and and make a decision whether or not it's it's for you, but I'll tell you, if you're having any struggles, if you have any apprehension, if you're nervous, if you feel like you need you know, a little bit of help getting started, this is the program for you. Go check it out. I highly endorse it, and I will be on the inside waiting for you when you sign up and become a member. I'm really excited about the program. I highly suggest you check it out. Okay, let's dive into today's show. All right, thank you for joining me on Just Start Real Estate. I am really excited to bring you my guest today. He's a relatively new investor, been doing it for a few years, but he's having some incredible success and his business has really ramped up a lot over the last few years. Found him in a success forum, read about his story, and I just got super pumped to interview him because, you know, he's he's very relatable. And, and we're going to get into his business pretty deeply here and ask him where he started, where he's going, how he did it, his systems, and all those kind of things. So I have on the line right now John Car- Car- John Carcone, and, and he's, like I said, he's a relatively new real estate investor. And after starting a sales career, following school, John got into real estate investing in 2009 after he bought a two-unit rental property outside of Washington. DC. He started wholesaling in 2010 and also did his first flip that year. In 2011, he switched counties and flipped three more properties. He flipped eight in 2012 and 17 
in 2013 when he decided to go full-time in the business. He's targeting doing 25 flips this year in 2014, and man, that's just huge strides over the last few years, John, and I'm really excited to have you here, buddy. Thanks for agreeing to do this. How are you doing today? I'm good, yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. No problem at all. So if you don't mind, right off the bat, let me ask you, how, how old are you? I am 32. 32. Okay. And you've been doing this since 2009. So, I mean, you're not new for by any means, but you know, in terms of where you were in 2009 and, and where you are now, it's like light years. So you've really had some rapid growth over the last few years. So let's talk a little bit about what you did prior to real estate. Kind of give us a feel for your background and then we'll dive into your business. Sure. Sure. No problem. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, it definitely has been a, um, you know, a pretty interesting sort of career shift. So my background is I went to school in North Carolina and I graduated in 2004 and immediately went into a, into a sales job. So I had no particular sort of driving passion out of school. I had no particular thing that I was super interested in. It was really just what my dad did growing up. And so sales just was sort of like the de facto, okay, I guess I'll give that a try kind of thing when I graduated. Right. Picked D.C., you know, really just randomly. Um, I went to school in North Carolina. I'm from New Jersey. This was kind of in the middle. It was a large city, which I know I wanted. So I just, you know, ended up just picking D.C. Um, got a job there, basically cold calling senior executive at Fortune 500 company. Um, I had no idea going into the job, you know, what I was even going to be doing. I found out that I was going to be cold calling every day, all day, and I was pretty surprised. I was kind of like, what? I didn't really know what I was signing up for. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so just cold calling, and I, I had some good success out of school at the, the corporate job. I started cold calling right out of school. About a year later, I got um, to do the outside sales role. So basically, the people who I was scheduling calls on behalf of, the rest I would actually go out and meet with these Fortune 500 executives and basically sell the product. Got that job the following year um, in the van in 2007. So a couple years after that, I had a direct report, a couple of direct reports. But it was kind of around the 2000 and I guess eight or nine kind of time frame where I started to feel like my career trajectory at the company had sort of starting to flatten out. Okay. It was, it was cool. It was cool for a while because kind of every year I felt like I was kind of getting promoted and I had sort of a new job. So, so that was really good. And that had gone on pretty much from like 04 until probably about 08 or 09. But then I kind of got into sort of like a more of a mid-level manager kind of position where I had a team of like eight or nine refs that basically I was like managing. And, um, it kind of flattened out, you know, and uh, the next year I knew I was going to be doing basically the same thing that I was doing this year. And I looked down the line and I saw in two years and three years, I was probably going to be doing roughly the same job I was doing now. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, having a sales job like that where you're cold calling, I mean, it it doesn't get much rougher than that. Right. I mean, you stuck with it, but you know, you do those kind of things and, and they really, it does pay off, especially in real estate. And we can talk about this going forward here, but I mean, cold calling people and rejection and, and just the, the fear that you have of getting on the phone and, and trying to sell something like that, it, I'm sure that it, it aided you, it helped you in your real estate business. Cause I know some of your, your businesses is, um, 
direct marketing to, to motivated sellers. So, you know, there's rejection there too, and it's a little tough sometimes. So we can get into that, but that's, that's, I mean, that's kind of a cool way to start. And it sounds like you were climbing that ladder, but like you said, you just didn't want to be doing that your whole life. You, you, you saw where you were going to be in a few years and it wasn't going to be a whole lot different at some point you leveled off. So that's now, is that when you made the switch? How, how did you decide? What, what was the, the thing that made you like go, okay, real estate is something I'm interested in. Yes. Yeah. Um, so around, um, around, it was actually around April and May of 2009. And when I was, you know, sort of like thinking about doing this interview, I've never done an interview like this before. I actually had kind of no idea what all my dates were. Like, was it, was it 010 that I first bought that house or 09? <laughs> I mean, it was all, yeah. you know, it was all, it all kind of got jumbled up because, you know, I've just so, been so busy just doing this and just, gunning it out and making sure that I established myself on my own. Yeah, for sure. Doing this business and just trying to ramp it all off. So, it was, you know, it's kind of interesting to think back and just kind of get all the dates straight. Um, but yeah, it was like, it was April, May, 2009. And prior to that, I had, I had zero experience in real estate whatsoever. You know, the most experience I had was basically that I had, you know, had lived in a house. Um, and, <laughs> and that was about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, so, so what, what kind of prompted it was, um, uh, I picked up a little bit of money from my corporate job because I you know, had some success there and I was fortunate enough to save up some money. And my, uh, I have three younger brothers and they were also had, they also happened to just by sort of different random chances to also live in the DC area. So we were like, all right, why don't we live uh, in a house together? And so, um, we reached out to a friend of ours who was a realtor who we knew, I think through work. And then they put in touch with another realtor that they knew to basically show us around and show us some houses to possibly buy. And this was right after everything, you know, crashed. This was in 2009 yeah. when it was probably the absolute worst. Sure. Which, looking back, was the, probably the best time ever to buy a house, but that was just to complete loss. Totally agree. I totally agree. And um, so, so we just started, so we, so we got in touch with this, this realtor guy, and we wanted to buy something in D.C., and it just so happened, again, just sort of one of those weird chances that this realtor happened to specialize more in investment property, specifically uh, two to four unit uh, multifamily. So he wasn't in the commercial space, which is five units plus. He was in that uh, two to four unit residential space. You know, it just so happened. And it made a lot of sense because uh, since I had three younger brothers, what we thought is, you know, well, why don't we go around and try to buy, you know, maybe even a four unit building where we can each have our own unit while we're living there. And then after two or three years, we'll move out, but we'll all hold it together and have it be a rental property for us and get rental income. Sure. So it just seemed to make sense. So just driving around, and you know, usually D.C. doesn't cash flow very well at all, for the most part, because it's such a high, medium price point area. So the rents compared to the prices really aren't very good at all. But this time in 2009, it was actually pretty decent. And so that's really what got me interested in it was, you know, we, looked, we, we were looking at all these houses, and, you know, we saw that, hey, you know, we can all live here and pay much less than we would in rent. And then after we move out, we can have, you know, a thousand bucks, twelve hundred bucks, eight hundred bucks, whatever it was, you know, in cash flow. Right. And I was like, that's pretty, that's pretty sweet. So, so that's really what got me kind of just exposed, I guess, to the idea that real estate can be sort of a lucrative thing and a good investment. 
Okay, very good. And you know, that's something I hear. I didn't start that way, but I do hear a lot of people talking about starting that way in a multifamily, you know, like maybe a duplex and they, they live in one side and they rent out the other side and it kind of, you know, shows them the possibilities. But now I do know just from reading about you on Bigger Pockets and kind of following what you're doing there, you're not a buy and hold guy though, right? I mean, that's kind of what kind of got right. you started, but what made you decide that you wanted to flip houses? Yeah, so, so that was... That was kind of a, it was kind of a, a, a longer, just sort of more, more circuitous, I guess, you know, sort of process. So, um, so really, uh, that, that kind of got me started. I ended up buying that duplex that he talked about at the beginning in Arlington in like August of 2009. And right around that time was when my corporate career, as I mentioned earlier, started to kind of level off. And I saw two, three, four, five years, I was going to be a whole lot different than now. And I started to really think, you know, I'd like to do something on my own. So those two things happened right about the same time, just by happenstance. Okay. And um, so I just started, uh, basically, after I got exposed to real estate, that it could be a good way to make money, um, I just started to, uh, just online, just read as much as I could. I bought a couple of different, you know, sort of real estate investing type courses and that sort of thing. And I actually, starting out, um, you know, had absolutely no idea that, um, I would be flipping houses because flipping houses was really in vogue, you know, in 2007, 2008, 2006, everybody was making a ton of money until they all got killed when the market turned down. Right. And so I actually was afraid to flip houses. And in 2009, nobody thought you could even flip houses and make money. <laughs> Which yeah, like you said, things. though, I mean, it was one of the, I started in 2008. And as I look back on it, I think 2008, 2009, 2010 were some of the best years to flip houses, in my opinion, especially when you're starting out, because the, the barrier to entry was a lot lower because house prices obviously crashed, you know, and it's all relative. Yep. They, they weren't selling for as much obviously, but it's like everything shifted. The buy price shifted and the sell price shifted down, but you know, there was still money there. I mean, it was just easier to get in, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, looking back, it was, I was incredibly lucky. I mean, if I started in, you know, 2007 um, or 2006, I mean, I probably would have been flipping a bunch of houses and been holding the houses when the market turned down and, right. you know, gone yep. bankrupt, lost my money, you know, whatever. So it was actually super fortunate that I got exposed to the idea of real estate pretty much right at the bottom um, of the market in 2009. Yep. And, and so, yeah, so I just was, you know, just researching and, um, and, and I researched lots of stuff because for me, real estate is just simply a business. Uh, I don't have a particular passion for property. Um, I have a passion for, uh, essentially money and success. Which I'm just sort of a business <laughs> right. person. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I don't, I, I didn't, and I still don't care what it is. I mean, it could be vintage coins. It could be storage units. It could be day trading in the stock market. I don't care. And so what I also did in 2009 was I bought just a whole bunch of books about, you know, starting tech companies, you know, building apps, um, day trading in the stock market, whatever I could think of. Yep. And it just seemed to me, based on my prior exposure to real estate, you know, looking for that primary residence, um, and then also just through some of the early sort of research that I had done, I just got the sense that real estate um, was a more real and predictable way to make money. Yeah. The, the day trading thing or starting a tech company, those were kind of more swing for the fences type things. You know, if you try to start a tech company, you know, it could go great and you could be a multimillionaire, be a billionaire. But of course that's, you know, 0.001% of people who try it. 
and there's yeah. going to be a lot of luck involved. There's going to be a lot of things outside of your control involved. You know, day trading are going up against, you know, Harvard, Princeton, Wharton, MBA. Sure. And, you know, I just didn't like my odds. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, so it just seemed like real estate. As I, as I, and as I started to meet people too and talk to them, I was like, they're just like me. Like they're just regular, normal people. They're no smarter than me. They're working no harder than I can work. Right. So I don't see why, if I know what they know, I shouldn't have at least as much success and, and hopefully more. Yeah. And, um, I, and I, I liked that it was incremental too. You know. Yeah. No, I, and I liked what you said there. I just wanted to make the point that, you know, like you said, the tech companies, the day trading and things, it's all swing for the fence, and a lot of it is outside of your control, like you said. What I find, and despite what you see in the media, and I know the media, if you listen to the media, like real estate is the most volatile, like risky, going to lose your money, like, right. you know, it's the worst thing ever. But the way I view it and, and my experience is, is real estate is one of the more stable, like predictable relatively safe ways to invest that I know of. I mean, listen, it's a hard asset, right? It doesn't it doesn't disappear overnight. It can certainly go down in value, but what happened in 2008 doesn't happen every 6 months, right? That's, you know, that's something that happened and, and it can happen, but if you really do your homework and you really understand the numbers and you know how to you know, how to calculate what you should be offering on a house and what it will be worth based on comps, so forth and so on, and you're flipping houses properly and not holding them for two years, it's fairly predictable and relatively routine once you've done it a couple of times. It's not like the shows where, you know, they they assume they're going to do, uh, you know, $30,000 in rehab and you start watching the, the, the price go up and next thing you know, it's an $80,000 rehab and, you know, it's like we're going to lose money and I don't even understand how these people can flip houses if they're off by 100% on their rehab every week. But it's just not like that. It's not that volatile normally. I don't know what your experience is in D.C., but uh, other investors I've talked to, especially ones that do a lot of volume, it becomes and, and fairly Mike, routine. Sorry, actually, you're, I apologize. That the, the connection's cutting in and out a little bit. I, I'm, uh, I'm at full bars on mine, but I'm kind of, you're cutting in and out a little bit. Okay. Am I good now? Can you hear me? Am I still coming yeah, in and yep, out? Yeah, you're good now. Okay. All right. No problem. I just said, I just, I kind of made a long winded point, but I'll just cut it down to basically real estate done well, flipping, flipping properties done properly, done well by someone who understands the business and knows how to uh, crunch the numbers and make offers. It's fairly routine and relatively safe, in my opinion. Yeah. So yep. it's not crazy. Yeah, I, um... yeah sorry. Yeah, no, I, and I definitely agree with that as well. Um, if, of course, there's, you know, of course, there's a certain amount of risk associated with it. I mean, especially if there's another market downturn, I mean, similar to what we had. But that seems, you know, very unlikely that that would be the case. Yeah. And also, when you're flipping, I mean, you own the properties for so little time, you know, it should be three to five months probably. Yeah. That there isn't, there's only so far a market can go down, even in a drastic downturn in that period of time. And as long as you're willing to drop the price to get the property sold, you know, you should be able to at least come out of it, you know, reasonably okay. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with, with what you're saying. Okay. And I wanted to, to talk a little bit about, about, too, you mentioned education. I don't want to get too deep into it, and I'm not looking to necessarily promote anybody's product or disparage anybody's product. But in general, would you say that the products that you purchased and, and read and kind of studied, were they worthwhile? Did you get something out of them? Were they a waste of time? What, what's your opinion? Um, I would say they weren't worth the money that I spent on them when I bought the ones that were high price. So the ones where that they're pitching, where they cost a thousand bucks, 
uh, or even a thousand bucks plus, those were not worth the money. Um, did I learn something from everything that I purchased? You know, whether it's a course or whether it's just the stuff I learned online or the stuff from bigger pockets, you know, yeah, absolutely. But generally speaking, if I were to do it over again, I would not spend any significant amount of money on any real estate courses. If you're going to spend, you know, any kind of real money, you know, real money being, you know, maybe more like a hundred bucks or something, um, I would use that to try to join a paid sort of training group with someone running that group who you knew actually was doing deals. Right, right. Yep, that's good advice. That's really um, good advice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of how I got, I kind of got more into it with, through that. Okay. All right. That makes sense. That makes good sense. And that's good advice too. Now, what is your, your current business? I, like I said, I know you, you started off with like, uh, you know, your, your, your house, your primary residence was basically your first investment, but you eventually moved to flips. What does your business look like today? Like how, how do you run it? Maybe talk about some of your systems and you know, what are you doing to generate leads and, and actually purchase these houses? Sure. So, um, and then to just the, the real short, you know, sort of how I got from like the duplex and the education stuff here was basically through paying money to join essentially a, it's like a hundred bucks a month or something. It's pretty, or 200 bucks. It's pretty reasonable. Um, but it was basically a mentoring group that was run by a real estate investor who ran a local real estate investor association meeting in my local area. Okay. And it was basically through getting to know her that I kind of got more involved in the actual sort of more flipping thing. Before that, I had focused more on stuff like sandwich lease options because it required, you know, basically zero money at all. And again, it's just sort of in the media and stuff at that time, people were just, it's, you know, saying, oh, flipping is just crazy. You know, you can't make money at that. So it kind of got in my head a little bit. Yeah. So it wasn't until probably like 2010 when I joined that meeting and I saw someone actually flipping houses with success when running the meeting, you know, that I finally sort of, saw that flipping was probably, you know, kind of the, the right way to, to, to go about it. Um, in, in, terms of, in terms of my business right now, so the majority of my deals that I get, I'd say probably 65%, maybe 70% are, are listed properties. So they're listed properties off the MLS. Um, I am licensed as a realtor, which is one of the things that I definitely encourage anyone who's serious about this business to do. And so I've actually the MLS, and so every single day, um, one of the first things I do usually is I'll spend 30 minutes an hour and I'll look through all the new properties on the MLS in the areas that I'm targeting. I'll comp those properties out, see which ones might be, you know, see which one, uh, which ones of those properties uh, would my offer price be relatively close to what the list price is, you know, kind of in the ballpark. Mm -hmm. My rule of thumb usually is about like 65% of the list price. 55%. Okay, so you're looking for a 45% discount on the list price. Well, so, sorry. So what I mean is like, um, so let's say a property is listed for $100,000, um, and then I, I run my numbers, and I think that property is worth one seventy, and I have a, a formula that I use, which I can talk about too. Mm -hmm. That just gives you know, basically have a formula. It gives you my offer price. Let's say my offer price is uh, seventy grand. The list price is $100,000. I just use a rule of thumb that as long as my list price, uh, I'm sorry, as long as my offer price is within about 65% of what the, uh, six five of what the list price would be, I think it's worth submitting the offer, basically. Okay. And that's kind of an arbitrary figure, but that's what I found. And so if that's the case, all those that meet that criteria, I then pass that over to a 
virtual assistant who actually puts the offer together and sends it to that realtor. Nice. Now, I assume you have a, a form pre-signed and all those kind of things, so they're just changing addresses and stuff. Exactly, yeah. I have like an offer template, basically. Okay. okay. So it's got the regional sales contract, it's got all needed addenda as well, so it looks like, you know, a pretty complete sales contract. Yep. But just like you said, on the first page, I have the date field blank, I have the offer price field blank, and the address field blank. It's just those three, I think. And um, in my spreadsheet that I'm using to evaluate these properties, it's a simple Excel sheet. I send that over to my virtual assistant. Um, they then see the address, the asking price, know what the date is. They type that information in and send that off to the realtor. Um, I also have a, a canned, um, what's called a, a canned email set up in Gmail as well. So it has a few lines to it. It basically says, you know, um, this is an offer from a professional real estate investor. We've bought and sold, you know, over you know, 40 houses in the last two and a half years. Here are my realtor ID numbers. You can actually look me up and you can actually see that I'm real, that I've actually been buying and selling these houses. I'm not just, you know, some wholesaler trying to get under a contract to flip it to somebody else. I'm actually doing deals. Right. And then I say, you know, attached, please find my offer, my proof of funds, uh, an addendum that I use where I waive my commission um, to them because I'm licensed. So I waive my buyer's commission to them as, as, as the agent. Um, and, then we, and then we send all that stuff off. So there's a few different attachments proof of funds, earnest money check, contract, and uh, addendum waiving commission. And then there's that sort of canned email that kind of explains it all and just says, hey, I'm a legit investor. I'm not just, you know, somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, so take this offer seriously. That's interesting. You know, I've heard people say, you know, you should you should get your realtor's license for various reasons. But one of the reasons that people sometimes will bring up is because you make money when you buy the house, you make money when you sell the house, but you're waiving your commissions when you buy. And I think that that's good, like, like big picture strategy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you may be giving up a few thousand dollars, but to the person who, to the realtor who's selling it, that means something, you know what I mean? That you're waiving that, so they're essentially making, they're making your commission. I mean, that I think to me that might move your uh, offer to the front of their brain, and when they're presenting it to their to their seller, I think they're going to push yours, right? I mean, does that what you think happens? Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, in my opinion, you know, the investors out there, uh, the ones who either don't succeed or succeed in a, in a small way, uh, I found that. Sometimes part of the reason is that they're they're thinking small, yeah. so they're being you know penny wise and like pound foolish basically or whatever the the phrase is where <laughs> right, they're right. just they're just being too cheap. Yeah. So, being, so just like you said, I mean, you know, sure, I'm giving up a few grand, but if that realtor then remembers me the next time they have a beat up listing because they got a double commission and brings me that deal before anyone else, I get a good price. I make twenty five grand. Was that three thousand dollars worth the twenty five thousand dollars that I made? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You know, I'd do that a thousand times over if I could. Yep. So I just feel like this is a relationship business, and that's another thing that I've I've realized more and more as I've done it for longer and longer. And like it or not, the realtors are the ones who control ninety eight percent of all the houses that get bought and sold, pretty much. Yeah. So building good relationships with those realtors and the best way to build a relationship is give them something that's valuable and you're giving them money. So that's valuable. Yep. Build good relationships with them. And then all of a sudden, instead of you having to go hunt every day, which is what I had to do for the first you know, two, three years I was doing this. Now all of a sudden you've got people who know you and who are starting to bring you deals proactively. And it makes it a heck of a lot easier. Well, let me ask you this. This is more of like a, 
I don't know, maybe I'm thinking overthinking this, but I'm just curious for all the, I'm not a, a realtor myself, but for the people out there who are, who hear that and say, hey, that's a great technique. It just occurred to me though, you must have a broker. What do they think about you waiving your commissions on the buy side? Don't you have to, does, don't they get some of that commission? So it, it depends on how you set up your brokerage arrangement, basically. So the way that I've set it up is I actually uh, hang my license with that same um, investor who ended up being my early sort of first mentor, okay. who I met, who ran the RIA, who I then paid the money to do that training class with I referenced earlier. Yeah. So it's all the same person. And as part of just establishing that relationship back in 2010 when I got my real estate license, I hung my, my license with her. And how she does it is, you know, she lets me keep um, all of my commission as long as it's on properties I'm buying and selling to myself. Gotcha. So that's how I'm able to waive it. Okay. Um, so every brokerage, you know, is different, but you can find a lot of brokerages out there where they basically say, okay, you can hang your license with us. You have, you know, pay us 300 bucks a month. You hang your license. We don't really give you any help or support at all. We don't help you, you know, get any leads. We don't help you get any buyer agent leads, any of that stuff. You just hang your license and you can keep, you know, all your commission and maybe just pay us like a per transaction admin fee. Gotcha. So you just got to search around a little bit. You can find that stuff online, but yeah, so that's how you can do it. Fantastic. Good. That, that's good clarification. So, all right. So when you started out, obviously you started out small and it, like we talked about in the, in the intro, you've been building every year to this year, your target is 25 houses. What, what can you talk about some of the things that you did wrong when you started out? Some things you wish you could go back and do differently. And then maybe some of the things that you did right. Maybe they were because, you know, someone told you or just by blind luck or just good instincts you did right. What were some of those mistakes and, and things that you did right and wrong in the beginning? Yeah. So, um, some of the stuff that, that I did wrong and, and I will say too, I mean, I think part of the reason why, um, doing anything new is challenging is that I think in general, like all people, you know, me, you, people listening, whoever, um, are a little bit too hard on themselves and a little too hard on themselves when they make mistakes. You know, you have to go into this knowing that you're going to make a ton of mistakes. You know, you're going to cost yourself a lot of money. There's, there's no way around that, but that's part of the learning process. And if you're too hard on yourself, you beat yourself up over every mistake that you make, you know, you're just going to be so beaten down. You're never going to want to pursue and grit through it like you need to to actually be successful at it. Yep, so, so there's definitely stuff that I did wrong, but it's one of those things where it's like I didn't know any better. There's no way I could have known any better. So, you know, whatever. Um, one of the things is I think people get too caught up in like the, the, the shiny object, chasing the shiny object. So you know, oh yeah, they'll 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 hear you know hear a, you know they'll they'll hear a, a podcast or a training thing or they'll you know, be online and they'll see, okay, you know, you can wholesale short sales or you can do sandwich lease options. And then it sounds great. It's like, this is the silver bullet. Let me just go pursue that. Oh, wait, in two weeks from now, it's something different. So I think just keeping it clear in, in your mind that, you know, you should think of real estate investing kind of as a, as a, as a stepwise thing or as like a ladder. You know, the first rung on that ladder, the first step, I mean, really is going to be wholesaling. It's either going to be wholesaling or perhaps even before that, you can do something with lease options. I'd probably recommend wholesaling as, as a way to start. After wholesaling, then it's, you know, rehabbing. And then from there, you can go on to, you know, actually more of like real estate development, doing bigger deals and so on from there. Right. Um, 
So I think just keeping that clear in your mind that really, you know, you should just be focusing on wholesaling. And what wholesaling is really all about is finding motivated sellers. So, you know, what can you do to find motivated sellers? And then along with that, you have to obviously sell the deals that's the other part of the wholesaling. I don't recommend that people um, try to build like a buyer's list per, per se. Like, you know, try to go out and, and build and have 50 people on the buyer's list. I recommend somebody find one buyer. And this is, this is your kind of quote mentor. This is the person who's willing to help you. Now, why are they willing to help you? Because you're going to bring them deals. Sure. Through, through the money that you're paying in marketing, through your own time and effort and, and all that stuff. So you bring them deals and you sell all your deals to them. You're going to make less money probably than you would if you sold it to a buyer's list, but you're going to learn that way and you're going to build a strong relationship that's going to, that's going to definitely pay you back. Yep. So I'm a big fan of you find that one investor you know is doing deals. And that person can actually help you as you're in the final negotiation stages. They get on, on the phone with you. They talk to the they talk to the seller. They lock the deal down. They look over your numbers, make sure your numbers are correct. You know, to make sure that you're not overpaying for something. Yeah. Um. So that's really what um, you know, kind of kind of what I what I recommend. And I think the wrong thing again is just you know, you you lose you lose sight of the fact that you really have to start the whole thing too. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I love that you say, you know, basically the, the bright, shiny object. I think that's one of the things that stops a lot of people because real estate investing can be a really super sexy business. And there's a lot of people who will tell you their way is the absolute best way. The only way you're going to make money is doing it the way they do it. And you can get batted around like a ball of yarn with a, with a cat, you know, I mean, and it just you feel like you're always chasing the next great idea. And, you know, there's just so many gurus out there who will just love to make you buy their system and tell you you're going to, you know, make $10,000 your first day. And it's just, it's all crazy. But, you know, I had a very similar situation when I started out as you did. It sounds like I, I found a mentor. He did a weekend boot camp. I joined his mastermind. It was a couple hundred dollars a month. That's really where I got my start. Without that mastermind, without that group, I don't, I don't know that I would have or could have done it because it was full of very serious people. I mean, $200 is reasonable, but it also is a huge barrier to keep people out who aren't really doing anything. You won't pay that kind of money if you're not really serious. So it's just full of serious people who are really doing things. And, and I had the same advice. And he told me, you know, I was kind of doing that bright, shiny object thing. And he, he kind of took me on, you know, aside and said, listen, you're not really getting anywhere. You're spinning your wheels. I know you're serious. I know you want to do this. What do you really want to do? What most interests you? What most excites you about real estate? And I said, I want to flip houses. That really is, to me, that seems like my, my way to go. And he said, good. Become the best house flipper you can be and stop even thinking about anything else. Don't even look at it. If, if somebody comes along and says you need to do, like you said, lease options or sandwich sandwich lease options, don't even listen. Keep your head down, put blinders yep. on, and just think about flipping houses all day long. So that's what I did, and it was huge because it, it kept me focused. And that's really where, you know, that focus will, will kill you if you don't uh, if you don't stay focused and, and stick with one thing. Now, when you get really experienced and maybe you you've, you've been doing it for a while, yeah, branch out for sure and 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 do some buy and hold, do some wholesaling, do some lease options. That's fine, but. In the beginning, you know, you're not really a house flipper or you're not even a real estate investor until you buy a property and flip it or sell it or whatever you're going to do. You're not really in the business. So get in the business, get it going. I even tell people, you know, forget about business cards, forget about logos. Like, don't, that's all like miscellaneous crap that you can do after your first yeah, exactly. house, right? So just get out there and, and just find your first house. Don't worry about taxes. Just, Buy a house, fix it up, sell it for more than you put into it and what it costs to fix it up and make a profit and then start thinking about the business because there is no business until you do that, right? I think that's 100% right. I mean, that's another issue that I see a lot is, like you, just like you said, people get caught up with 
taxes. They get caught up with LLCs. I mean, people can talk for hours about LLCs. I don't <laughs> care about LLCs. Exactly. You know, I care about going out there and doing it. It's like jump out of the plane and grow wings on the way down. Yep. Take action. You yep. figure out the business cards, the LLCs, the taxes, all that crap. You can figure it out later. Just go out there and start doing stuff. Right. Um, you know, one other thing that I, I should probably mention too is, you know, so, so just like you said, you know, I paid, paid whatever, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month to this mastermind group. And that's how I got to know this real estate investor. Um, when I first got into wholesaling in 2010 and basically what she, how we set it up is she was the purchaser uh, on the contract templates I set up. So I had my realtor license at that time. And it's like April or May of 2010. I'd go through, I'd evaluate properties in the MLS and I would put offers in on these properties sight unseen um, with her as the purchaser, like her LLC in this case. Okay. Um, and I used her proof of funds as well. Right. Um, and I basically was like kind of acting essentially almost as, you know, almost as like her realtor. And I listed down in the contract that I was a realtor, I was a license. So I was sending in these um, offers on her behalf and I would look at the MLS every single day. I would make offers every single day. And every once in a while, I would get a nipple. You know, I'd get a counteroffer. Or I'd get someone who says, hey, you're close. Can you come up with a few grand? At that point, I'd reach out to her. I would say, hey, here's what I think the after repair value is. Do you agree? She would say yes or no. Here's the price. Is this a good price or not? Um, and then at, at that point, if it was a good price and we thought, hey, maybe we get this thing under contract, I would go to the house for her, bring a little video camera, take a video of the house, put the video online and send it to her so she could see without having to actually take her time to go look at the house. So that was really the first, that 2010 when I did, you know, the, the kind of handful of wholesale uh, deal that kind of got me started and then led me to, and then led me kind of into my first flip with, with that same kind of mentor um, as well. That was really how we did it, which is kind of how I recommend because I just had a lot of handholding. Yeah. I had her overseeing it every step of the way. I had her helping me with the contract. I was so uncomfortable just putting you know an offer in for three hundred thousand dollars in a house I've never seen before. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I could have done that if I didn't have her every step of the way to make sure, you know, is this okay? Is this okay? Is this okay? Like you need that person there local with you who's invested in you because you're doing something for them. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good yeah. advice, and I've never really heard it done that way. I mean, you know, there's a million ways you can do this business. Definitely a million ways you can start, and mentors handle things all differently. That was a very cool way because, like you said, she obviously had a level of trust in you. There was a rapport there, but she made it very, very easy and very comfortable for you to kind of like ease your way into the business with some degree of safety, right? You weren't going to make a huge mistake because she was right there, like kind of looking over your shoulder and, and kind of watching what you're doing. But like you said, it kind of eased those fears that everyone has when they first get started. So I think that's great. And, you know, one of the things that frustrates me is, you know, there's two, it's two sides to this. One side is people will go spend $40,000 on some huge guru program. And there's no way any program is worth $40,000, right? We, we kind of know that. But the other side of it is some people go, well, I don't, I'm not going to spend a dime. Like I want to be a, a real estate investor and I want to be sex successful tomorrow. Like I want this to happen now. And it's like, I'm not going to spend a dime. It's like, you know, it, there's a, there's a fine line there and there's a, there's a middle ground where I really think it's important if you're serious in anything you do, forget real estate for a minute. If you want to be, you know, great, a great runner, you hire a coach, you know, you hire someone who's, who knows how to get you from point A to point B. And you know, my mentor, your mentor sounds like they were in the same ballpark price wise, a couple, a couple hundred dollars a month, but without them, I don't know that I could have done it. And it may have taken me a lot longer and I probably would have made a lot more mistakes. So sometimes you have to spend a little bit of money, but you know, that, that 
mentorship is is just invaluable. It's awesome. Absolutely, yeah. And back to your prior question too. And again, you know, I know this is a bit scattered because this again is the first time I've ever really <laughs> no, said a lot fine. of stuff out loud. No, you know, it's cool. No, you're doing nobody. Right. You know, because <laughs> nobody even knows. You know, like friends of mine or other people that still work for companies. I mean, I might as well tell them I'm a Martian when I say I flip real estate. I mean, they don't even know what questions to ask me. So. Yeah, you know, I know. Believe me, I know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, um, don't, don't even worry about so like, it because there's 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 only thousands of people that are going to hear this, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a lot better. <laughs> uh, but but one other thing um, in terms of things that I I would probably do differently is is and 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 I kind of did the route where I mean I actually paid um, a few hundred bucks a month and actually had a mentor out in California who's kind of a direct mail guru around the 2010 time frame as well. Okay. And I paid for maybe two or three like thousand dollar courses. I just thought, you know, we're not worth it. And and what that taught me is just like you said, you need that person local. Um, and the mentoring group and the RIA meetings are good places to do it. One other just tip that I'll throw out there as a way to find a possible mentor. This is how I found my my sort of second level mentor who I um, worked with after I switched from focusing in Virginia to focusing in Maryland, which is where I focus currently. Um, I actually found them through the MLS. So, again, part of the reason why I kind of am part of being a realtor is you can go on the MLS and you can search for renovated, pro- renovated properties that are sold. And you can search in a specific county. So, Prince George's County, Maryland, renovated properties that have sold under $300,000 in the last 90 days. And if you, you can export these to a spreadsheet or just look through them one by one if you, if you don't want to do that. And you can see patterns. You can see, okay, this realtor, Bob Smith, He's sold four renovated houses, you know, in the past 90 days. And then you can look in the disclosures on the listing, and it says owner is real estate licensee. Do they have to disclose that? So he sold three or four houses, and the owner's a licensee. I wonder if it's the same person. Their phone number is in the listing, too. You just call them up, and you just say, hey, um, I, I saw that you, you know, put this house. Um, I'm a real estate investor. I actually either have time or I have cash that I can offer you, and I can talk about, like, ideas I have for what you can like offer somebody um, to make them want to help you. But I have, I have something that can help you. Um, are you the person who's actually, you know, rehabbing this property? And, you know, sometimes they just won't want to talk to you. Um, sometimes they'll, maybe they're not, but you can find people that way. And that's how I found my mentor in Maryland. And um, that's, that's another way to do it. Nice, nice. I love that. Okay, I want to talk about real quick. We're we're kind of we're pushing our time a little bit, but I, two two activities that I know and I know you know because you're definitely to the point where you I'm sure realize this. Two activities real estate investors, flippers especially, have to focus on: finding leads, finding deals, and finding money. So, can you quickly tell us how do you find leads? How do you find these deals? I know you said through the MLS, so you check. Okay, you know what? You actually did answer that. Now that I'm thinking about it, I, I read all this on Bigger Pockets, and I'm trying to remember if we talked about. It. We did. You look them up, and I know you evaluate like 25 to 30 houses every morning, right? I mean, it takes you a couple minutes per house, but yep. that's what you're doing there. And you're putting in, I think, I don't want to put yep. words in your mouth, but if I remember right, two to five offers a day? Exactly. Yes, exactly okay. right. Okay. So that's how you're finding them primarily. How are you financing them? Yes, yeah, so that's how I'm finding them, as I said, about probably 65, 70% of them. Um, currently, I'm getting about probably 25% from wholesalers. Um, so just over time now, um, as I've called every we buy houses sign that I see when I'm driving, um, as I signed up for every you know wholesale list that I can think of, and as people have just seen me that I'm that I'm 
doing deals that see me advertising properties. I've got to touch some wholesalers. So I got about 25% buy from wholesalers and the other, whatever that leaves me, the other like 10, 15, 20%, whatever that is, sure. um, I get from direct mail stuff. So I do still send out about 6,000 letters currently, uh, either letters or postcard uh, a month. Um, and I also do banded times. And then I just started doing pay-per-click advertising about four or five months ago. So okay. that, that's a smaller portion of my deals, but I get deals that way as well. 6,000 mail pieces nets you approximately how many calls, did you say, per? per so 6,000 mail pieces probably nets me probably every week that I send out 1,500, I maybe get like, I'm thinking six or seven calls. Okay. And so maybe 24, you know, maybe like the 22 to 30 calls per month. Yeah. Let's say, and then probably every, probably every, 45 to 60 calls, maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, is, is when I would get a deal. Okay. So about every maybe two months, you know, which is about 12,000 mail pieces. Sure. I would expect to get a deal. Okay. Okay. And that, uh, you know, that obviously more than, than, than warrants the, the activity and warrants the money. Sure. Yeah. Good. So, all right. You're, you're going to do 25 deals this year. That's your target anyway. Um, how do you finance these? Is this you self-financing or are you, are you borrowing? Yeah, so um, so when I so, so, the, so the very very first flip that I did in 2010 with the the mentor woman that I had that was doing the training meeting, I actually used a believe it or not I used a mortgage loan. So okay. so my my proposition to her was, I'll cover the entire down payment and I'll use a mortgage loan. And this was like a four hundred thousand dollar property. This was in Virginia where the prices were higher. Mm-hmm. Um, so I covered the entire purchase price. She covered the rehab part, and then we agreed to split the profits fifty fifty. That was okay. my very first one. We actually ended up just about breaking even on that one. It, it kind of sucks. I can talk about that at some point. Um, <laughs> okay. But but so but so then um, when I when I switched to do um, Maryland, um, the prices were much much lower. The first house I bought in Maryland, in 2011, in, in like March of 11, was like sixty thousand dollars. So I actually just with my own cash that I had saved up to pay for the purchase and for the renovation. Just in straight cash, which made it super simple, super easy. Oh yeah! I had my mentor, my second level mentor in Maryland, kind of uh, helping me out, and actually, I gave him thirty percent of my profit simply to help me, you know, over my shoulder, whatever. And then it, through him, he actually connected me to a hard money lender. It was actually more of a private lender, wasn't a big company, to apply to a hard money lender. And then I actually I was, was putting in a ton of offers at that time in early twenty eleven in Maryland, and I happened to get two other offers accepted about a month after I bought my first house. I was pretty much tapped out of money, right? Um, but connected me to the hard money lender. And with uh, the, the mentors, his name is Rick, with, with Rick's um, sort of blessing, but he was willing to take a chance on me, even though I hadn't completed even one rehab. But because he knew Rick was involved and he had known Rick for a long time, he was willing to loan me the money for those other two properties. Now, so when you say loaning the money, though, you, you were tapped out, and usually hard money lenders loans like 65% of you know, purchase price or even like loan to value or even even if it's like after renovation cost, right? There's always some other money needed. Did you have the money for the extra, you know, for the other, you know, 35, 40% that they don't cover? So um, he actually was able to secure it against the property I bought in cash. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, so kind of a weird situation, but yeah, just because of how it works, I bought it in cash and I only expected to do one deal because I mean, I still only done one flip and I, and, and I was passively involved. This yeah. was the first one that I was really owning on my own. Oh, and um, What a great example so of relationships, though. You yeah. know, that's a great example of the power of relationships, right? 
How would you have done those other two houses if you hadn't met Rick, right? If you hadn't been dealing with it him? It would not have been possible. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no other hard money lender who would ever take a chance on somebody who, oh, I'm halfway through my first flip. You give me money to buy two more. I mean, exactly. No way. Exactly. No, that's. I mean, that's that's like the best example of the power of relationships and why you need to go out there and meet people and and develop these relationships within the business. I mean, just for that exact reason, it like launched your career basically. Absolutely. I mean, that was really the that was really the, the sort of tipping point. So then I went from doing you know being passively involved in one to now I'm kind of running the show on three. Nice. And, you know, I'm giving away 30% of the profits, which I was happy to do because my mentor, I mean, was so crucial um, to, to my success in being able to do this. But, you know, those three houses, you know, netted me, netted about by 90 grand. And so the mentor got 30, I got 60. But, you know, then, you know, you got 50,000 bucks. Yeah. You know, you know, this works. I mean, you see, you know, now, now all of a sudden, working for myself as a real estate investor, which for the last two years I was busting my butt to do, but didn't even seem, I just couldn't figure out how it's even possible. Now, all of a sudden, I've got a money guy, I've got a mentor, I've got a target area, I've got three houses under my belt. Then, all of a sudden, it was like off to the races. And that's why I was able to go from, you know, three houses to then, you know, eight um, the following year. Wow. The, the, other, the other thing that I would just mention is I also got a credit line. Um, <clears throat> so, this is kind of an, an interesting thing. Um, so, in 2000 and, yeah, September 2011, so I probably started this process like maybe you know, June of 2011. Um, and I had only actually completed one house. So I, had, I just had that one house that I bought in cash that I, that was done at that point. And then I had the two other ones that I was basically working on. This is my first three. And what I just decided to do is I called every single bank. I just Googled, you know, like local banks. Called every single local bank, and that's a big one, like Bank of America. Every single local right. bank and just said, hey, would you guys... You guys, would you guys ever consider, you know, lending money for a real estate investor who buys, renovates, and sells houses? And I called maybe 25 or 30, and 24 of them said no, but one said yes. And I still, to this day, really can't believe it. I mean, it's a pretty big risk because I only had one house under my belt. Right. Um, but they gave me a $350,000 credit line. What? Are you kidding me? Yes. No, oh. I, I, I swear to God. It was oh, a, my it was a, gosh. It was it was a young, hungry banker, you know, he was about my age. And, you know, he was pretty risk tolerant and he was trying to make a name for himself or whatever. And he just kind of took a, took a flyer on me and, um, and gave me that credit line. It was, I, I could not believe it. I mean, it was, you know, wow. that was another huge tipping point. That's unheard of. And really back in 2011, really unheard of, right? I mean, the banks were still yeah. like licking their wounds, yeah. basically. Wow. That's, uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. But you know what? Again, Man, I just say this all the time, and you're a good example of it. Just take massive action. Just just start doing stuff. Start calling banks. Start, you know, making making meetings with investors in your area and, and developing those relationships because doors start opening, things start happening. Right? I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who go, "Oh, I would never be able to get a line of credit like that. I, that's just him. That doesn't really happen." You know what? All those people haven't tried. Guarantee they haven't called 25 banks. Right? So. Call 25 banks. Exactly. The worst thing that can happen is they all say no, right? What one might say yes. And even if it's not $350,000, I mean, getting a $100,000 credit line could change every, you know, most people listening to this that would change their business overnight, right? So, yeah, just, just make the calls. Just make the calls. Man, that's awesome. It's huge. Yeah, awesome. Okay. The other thing, too, that I'll say is, um, yeah. you know, even just stuff like just driving around, you know, the driving for dollars thing. That, that first deal that I did in 2010, I found it just by, driving for dollars, calling every single 
like for sale sign in front of a beat, you know, beat up house that you see running down addresses of vacant houses and saying, Hey, you know, I'm a professional real estate investor or I'm working with, or I'm, a, I'm on a team with a professional real estate investor, which would be your, men, you know, your mentor in the scenario. Sure. And we're looking to buy run that house and fix up and sell them. Do you have anything? Um, just like you said, it's just go out there and just do something. Just start, just start, you know, start, start sifting and then you'll, you'll start finding stuff. Yep, I, I really do believe that that success and making money it, it happens when action takes place, right? Like money loves action, it loves work. So you start taking Absolutely. action, and, and you will find you'll find your way, and that's awesome, man. So, all right, before we go here, real quick, any any piece of advice you have for new real estate investors? Like, you know, if you had a a good friend of yours come up and say, "I, I really want to start investing in real estate," I'm really inspired by what you're doing. What can you tell me? What What are my first steps? What would you suggest to me? So, my, probably what I would what I would start people on um, is, is probably I would I would tell them to, to, to drive for dollars because that takes no money. You can do it on your schedule on the weekends after work before work. There, there's no excuse to not do it. Right. So, if you're motivated, you can do it. So, go out and drive for dollars. Now, what would I do specifically? I would write down the address of every single vacant house, uh, vacant looking house, or run out house that you come across. Uh, prior to even driving, I would look up online um, market statistics to find counties and zip codes that have a low median average sold property price. So these are kind of just your lower price point areas. You may know these already, or you just go find them online. Mm-hmm. Those are the areas you want to drive. Write down all the uh, houses that look vacant. Um, send all them letters. Just find a mail piece online for free. Print it out. Put it in a letter. Send it to them, or just handwrite it yourself. So that's that's the first thing that I'd say. And call every single We Buy House to sign and ask them to be put on a, ask them to put you on their list. And then what I would also do is call every single realtor sign. I'm in front of every rundown looking house. Tell them, hey, you know, I'm a real estate investor looking to buy rundown houses. Do you have anything or know of anyone who does? The first deal that I got, it wasn't the person whose son I called who had it. It was her it was a friend of hers, a realtor friend of hers, who had a pre listed estate sale property. But again, so it takes it takes no it takes no money whatsoever. It's simply a matter of time. I say go drive for dollars. Be the first thing. The second thing that I uh, would usually recommend is if you're serious about it, I usually recommend getting the realtor license. And again, this is sort of a, people have seen you know very different opinions on this. Um, but just for me, access to the MLS, being able to waive my commission as a buyer's agent to them, um, getting that basic education in terms of contracts and just real estate in general. Um, I think it's huge. So I'd say drive for dollars and, and get your real estate license. I love it, man. I love it. You're right. The realtor thing is is um, debatable. A lot of people have different opinions. I'm sort of on the fence. I, I see the value of it. I, I understand people when they say they, they, they don't want to do it or whatever. I don't know. I'm definitely not against it. I haven't done it yet. Just it hasn't been a necessity for me. But I, I like the idea of it. And I'm, I'm actually becoming more in favor of people getting it than not. Just by having interviewed people who do have their, their real estate license and some of the creative things that you can do. It's not just about finding houses on the MLS. It's about the research that you can do on, on the different markets. And like you said, finding mm-hmm. realtors and things. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of reasons why a person should do it. So I think you're right. They should definitely seriously consider that. Well, listen, man, we've I've definitely blown past the time that I told you it would take, and I'm, I apologize for that. The reason is is because you're compelling, man. You got a great story, and uh, you've just done some great things. And I, I know 
more about your business than what we've even talked about so far, just from having read some things that you put in the forums there on Bigger Pockets that I, I, I'd like to cover. Maybe we'll we'll do this again in six months and see how your business is going. See if you met your goal of 25 houses and what your future goals are, and, and maybe we'll do this again down the road. But for now, I'm going to let you go. But I really want to say thank you again for agreeing to do this interview. I know, like you said, you've never done one before, but uh, you sounded like you know you did in terms of just like you know, you're interesting, man. You, you, you didn't just sit there and, and give me one word answer. So <laughs> that's good. But uh, no, no, well, thanks. I appreciate it. No, <laughs> great job. Great job. And if, if, if people, <laughs> all right, you know, you might get calls now that you've been on this for people who want to, want to, interview too. so <laughs> right. um, if people want to get a hold of you, uh, is that, do you want to give out your, like your contact information? If people want to get a hold of you, maybe there's yeah. people in your area who want to contact you and, you know, network or yeah, yeah, loan yeah, money, yeah. who knows? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a relationship business, absolutely. Um, I guess probably the easiest way is to find my website, which is www.4brothersbyhouses.com. And it's, it's the number four. So okay. it's the number four, then brothersbyhouses.com. There's a little, like, uh, contact nice. section. And, yeah, definitely feel free to reach out to me. Awesome. Well, we will definitely put that in the show notes. And for everyone listening, for the show notes for the show and, and John's contact information and just a summary of everything we talked about here, you can go to juststartrealestate.com forward slash John Carcone. And that is spelled J-O-N-C-A-R-C-O-N-E. That's how you can find it. His, his information will be here. If you're driving down the road, don't try to write it down. We'll have it there for you. Go check it out. And John, once again, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Great interview. Great information. Thanks for being so honest and you know forthcoming with all the you know successes and things you did right and wrong and all that. It's it's just super helpful to people who are new. I know it is. And uh, yeah, I had a good time. I hope you did too. Absolutely, man. No, I definitely appreciate it. Thanks for connecting me. Awesome. Good deal, man. I'll talk to you in the future here, and maybe we'll come back and, and do an update. Sounds good. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Okay, guys. Until tomorrow, if flipping houses and real estate is your dream, there's only one way you can make it a reality. Just start. 